Let's continue to pray for one another. Good things going on. We just got back from uh, Grand Teton National Park. People do crazy things in national parks, if you haven't noticed. In fact, right up where we were at, we were up at the Old Faithful Geyser Basin. And and, uh, a couple weeks before we went up there, some guy uh, got off the path. And I don't know if he was drunk, crazy, or what, but fell into uh, uh, one of those uh, thermal pools and... uh, uh, sadly, I mean, there was nothing to uh, there was nothing to retrieve. Uh, he just totally burnt up. So Dane kept praying that I would stay on the path. So Dane, I chose to do that. I stayed on the path, made sure my family stayed on the path. While we were there, someone from uh, a, a, a guy from mainland China decided he wanted to collect some thermal water, and so he collected some. And I don't know what must have been a super duper thermal thermos. And uh, so he got a nice $1,000 fine for his uh, uh, desire to try to steal some geyser water. But people, you know, they do crazy things. In fact, one family this winter up in Yellowstone, they took a, a, a little bison. They saw a little calf, bison calf, and decided it was too cold for it, which was a dumb conclu- conclusion, and put it in their back seat and took it to the ranger, who then the ranger had to proceed to tell them, now we got to put this... Uh, animal down because you've touched it and and uh, humanized it and took it away from its mother who will now reject it and so people do crazy things we tried not to do any of those crazy things uh, it was it was cool to go there 37 years ago I went there with my best buddy on our senior trip it was our between my junior and senior year and we got on a Greyhound bus and just took off to Grand Teton National Park I don't know what we were thinking I was 17 my mom said it was okay, hoping that Kenneth's mom would say no. And Kenneth's mom said okay, hoping my mom to say no. And as we're getting on the bus, they're like, you didn't say no. And, and, uh, and I remember getting on that bus and thinking, you know, this was cool until I got on the bus and saw mom and dad. You know, I think it was just my mom. My mom leaving, and I'm like, man, what have we done? This is crazy. And then 10 years later to go with Gwen on our honeymoon. So, you know, again, having never been married before, thinking, hey, this is going to be great. Now I'm going to take my real best friend and it's going to be just like when I took my other best friend. And uh, of course, it was a little different. But uh, but it, we still did all the same things. Well, now we're talking, what, 37 years later, 27 years later. And uh, I was looking forward. Amber was the same age. And no, I would never dream of putting her and a friend on a bus and go on their own to uh, uh, Teton National Park in this day and age. But it was good to introduce her to those same things. But I did learn many things this week. Many things I learned on this, and the first was I'm no longer 17 or 27. As we uh, try to do some of these same hikes and go up these same areas, I was like, man, my knees are hurting. And, uh, and I would never have dreamt taking the ferry back across the lake, the hike around Jenny Lake. But I said, Amber, you know, that, that ferry looks pretty good. That looks really good. And then, of course, she thought it looked good because like a teenager who uh, doesn't always take dad's advice, thought she could hike in flip-flops. And so pretty soon she had a volleyball injury that had re- was reactivated, you know. So she thought the ferry was a good idea as well. Of course, Gwen wasn't with us. And the reason Gwen wasn't with us is she has a, a, a uh, irrational, I thought, fear of, of bears, right? And so I, you know, I had told her going up, I said, don't instill this in our daughter. We are going to hike. And, uh, but it was very hard 
to uh, try to tell her this was irrational when we encounter, we, we got to see, well, the first night we see a grizzly and her cub. Comes right up to the car, goes right around. Amber uh, had her window down. She's just looking there. Gwen is putting the win- power window up while I'm trying to put it down. And, and it, the window's doing this. I can't see a Dan Blast thing. And, uh, and she's like, and I'm like, she goes, what's wrong with this window? And it's like, well, cause I'm trying to put it down. I want to see, I want to see this bear. And, uh, and then after the bear leaves, Gwen goes, what in the world? Or Amber goes, what in the world was going on up there? And, uh, so anyway, that was fun. So not only we saw three grizzlies, uh, including the cub. And then when I did get them hiking, finally, I got all the other, the two of them hiking with me. Uh, we go down around this lake and these, the path goes up by these cars, and these cars start stopping and saying, hey, 200 yards up here, there's a grizzly acting real erratic going up and back and forth between the path and the road. Well, then it wasn't irrational anymore. It was real. So I said, okay, we're, we're going the opposite way. And Gwen said, yeah, and I'm done. I'm done totally. So she sat in the car and enjoyed, I don't know, birds or something, made us buy this unbelievably costly bear spray if we were going to continue to hike. And so off we we went, but then Amber's uh, ankle got active anyway. So it was fun. It was a joy. It was a joy to hike up these same trails that I had hiked 37 and 27 years ago. It was fun. Um, but one thing that I never get tired of doing when I'm there is hiking up uh, this one This one hike takes you up Cascade Canyon, and it relates to what we're looking at is as you hike up these canyons, you get to go further up and further in. And when you go further up and further in into these canyons, there's things that you just can't see any other way. There's beauty that can't be seen any other way. Uh, you get up in there, you're surrounded by it. There's joy that, can, that, that cannot be experienced by staying back. Now, Gwen convinced us that she had a joyful time sitting in the car, watching people and everything. But you got to get out and get up and go to really see that. There's adventure that can't be found in the valleys. And there's an intimacy with God. One of the things I enjoyed the most this week was just getting around God's creation and remembering that this is just a reflection of the joy and the beauty that we're going to see for all eternity in the new creation. And it's just an amazing thing. So as I soaked up the mountain air and we looked at these majestic views, it just made sense to uh, do a study this summer of the Psalms of Ascent. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, turn to Psalm 120. That's the beginning. There's 15 Psalms of Ascent, and uh, they're Psalms 120 to some Psalm 134. And these 15 Psalms are going to take us further up and further in in our walk with the Lord. It's going to take us on a journey to joy. Now that phrase, further up, further in, might be familiar to some of you who've read the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. How many have read The Last Battle? Okay, there's that. I see that one, two hands out there. Okay, well, you need to, three. You need to read the Chronicles of Narnia. And in the very last battle, in the very last uh, book entitled The Last Battle, this uh, quote is found. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up. 
come further in. It's a picture of heaven, the new creation, that in Christ we find our real place that we belong. And that's going to be the ultimate goal of this series, uh, to take us all further up, further in on this journey to greater joy in the Lord. Does that sound like a good proposition? Yeah, I think we could all use that. Um, there's 15 songs of ascent, but we're going to break them up uh, because we got world outreach in the midst of this. And so we're going to take the first seven and then we'll end with the first eight and they'll take us all the way up to Christmas Sunday. But today's study, I want to give you an overview of the Psalms of Ascent. So it's a big, big overview, uh, introduce you. You've got the reading plans there. I, I want to challenge you to read through the Psalms of Ascent. You got two different ways to read through them, but this is a roadmap. And as we traveled through the Tetons, there were always these turnouts. And a turnout is a place where you can go and you park and you get out and you see a, 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 a specific view of the Grand Tetons. And then you drive a couple miles up and you have another turnout. And you're still looking at the Grand Tetons, but you keep seeing the same thing from a different perspective. And so these seven characteristics of the Psalms of Ascent, I want you to think about, about them as seven turnouts. So open your Bibles. Make sure your Bibles are open to Psalm 120. Hope you have your hiking boots, no flip-flops allowed. Let's look at this roadmap of the Psalms of Ascent, a roadmap for going further up and further in in our journey of joy. And so the first turnout that we want to go to is the turnout, the title of the songs. Let's look at the title of these songs. You know Psalms means songs. And so as we look at that, uh, I, don't, in, in, I think in almost every modern translation, it says a song of ascents in the plural. Does everybody have that in their Bible? Does anybody have anything different? Anybody have anything different? What do you got there, Jackie? You're uh, Jackie. Jackie. Of me. What? Of course it's me. Yes, yes. A song of degrees. We'll talk about that. Good. All right. So here we go. This is the title. And what I want you to gain from the title is a song of ascent. It's really talking about further up, further in. And let me show you why. The Hebrew word literally means going up. And it's in the plural. And so it's a song of going up, goings up, a song of ascent. The problem is... What are the psalms leading us to ascend? Why did these 15 psalms get grouped together? And why do they have this title? And why do some Bibles have a song of degrees? Well, let, here's the problem. What is the ascent? What, what are we going up? And here are the options. Option number one is some people think that this is an ascending literary style. In other words, there's a couple of these songs that there is a repetition where one word is repeated and then it keeps being repeated and the next word is repeated and there's an ascending style of rhythm and poetry. But the only problem with that is not every song is that way. So that can't be it. Number two, some think this is talking about ascending physical steps, going up real physical steps. And the Song of Degrees, that translation kind of has that idea, degrees of steps, going up physical steps. Why is that? Well, it, it, some think it's talking about ascending the 15 steps that are from the court of, of women in the temple in Jerusalem to the court of Israel. So there's these 15 steps, and the Levitical priests would stand on these steps, all 15 steps, and sing different songs. And some people say, well, these songs were sung one on each step. 
Well, that may be, that may have been one application, but there's no indication in these songs that that's why they're grouped together. Number three, some suggest it's ascending out of national suffering, that these songs were sung by Israel when they were in exile in Babylon, and when they were released from exile, they traveled back to Jerusalem, and they ascended up the slopes and the mountain to the temple, and they sang these songs in exile. Well, they very might, very likely may have sang sung these songs when they returned from exile, but that's not what the topic of all the songs are about. So again, that might have been an application, but it's not the reason they are called the songs of ascents. I think the reason is number four, ascending up to spiritual worship. Ascending up to spiritual worship. Ascending up to Jerusalem to worship in the presence of God on the Temple Mount. So what you got to realize is Jerusalem was a city that's on a mountain. Obviously, it didn't look just like that, but it's on a mountain. And so all throughout the Bible, they talk about going up to Jerusalem because you literally geographically went up and then up on in the center of that city was what? The temple. And in the center of the city was the Holy of Holies, which represented what? God's glorious presence, right? And so the songs of going ups, because here's the thing, if it was talking about the uh, exile and the return from captivity, then it would have been called the song of the ascent, the one ascent of the returning exiles. But it's plural, ascents, goings up, plural. And so every time you went and worshipped, you were going up to Jerusalem. And so these songs were sung uh, primarily of talking about going up into the presence of of God to the temple on the mountain that's called Zion. So the city was called Jerusalem, but this mountain, this whole mountain was called Zion. And it spoke of the city, it spoke of the temple, but most of all, it spoke of God's holy presence among his people. This was the temple where, this was the spot of the temple was where Abraham offered Isaac. It's where David located the ark and the tabernacle. It's where Solomon eventually built the temple. And it's where Jesus uh, came and cleansed the temple. And one day it's where Jesus is going to return. And so that's the idea. We're going to see this idea of going up to Jerusalem. Uh, It's throughout the Bible, but we also see it in Psalm 122. Look at this Psalm of Ascent. Psalm 122, verses 1 through 4. I'm sure these are familiar songs. Look at Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, what? Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that is built as a city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up. There's the word, ascent. The tribes go up. Even the tribes of the Lord. And an ordinance for Israel, a command, a requirement to give thanks to the name, the presence, the character of the Lord. This is the idea of the ascents. And you can trace it all throughout Scripture. It was a command in the law. As we're going to see, three times a year, the Israelites, 
every Israelite was to bring his family up to the temple to worship the Lord as a people. So what do we see at this first turnout? We see that most likely these songs were sung by pilgrims. And I don't mean the guys in the black hats with the belt buckle on the hat. We're talking about pilgrims or people traveling, sojourners, okay? So these were people traveling from where they were to gather together in the presence of God on the Temple Mount, His place where His people go to worship in His glorious presence. So I think Lewis got it right, and that's why I want to use his words as a theme for this series. Further up, every step you took to Jerusalem, you went further up. But every step you took, you went further in towards the presence of God. Is that not cool? So here, let me ask you, in your spiritual life, are you going further up and further in? Or have you stagnated? Have you chosen to sit in the car and listen to the birds tweet like my wife did? That's okay on vacation. It's okay on vacation. You cannot do that in your spiritual life, gang. You're going to miss on the adventure. you got to go further up and further in. So let's look at the next turnout. That brings us to the next turnout, which is really the most important one. The theme of the song. So we looked at the title. The title gives us an indication of the theme. And as simply as I can put it, because we're going to get a little deep here in a minute, Bill, so hang in there, okay? But right now, as simple as I can put it, here's the theme of the songs. A journey to joy... In God's presence, with God's people, in God's place. The theme of these songs is me and my house. We're going to travel. We're going to be pilgrims on a pilgrimage. We're going to sojourn on this journey. And we're a journey to joy because joy is found in the presence of the Lord. And so I'm going... The joy is I'm going to be worshiping in God's presence with God's people in God's place. So let me break that down for you. Remember, these we're in the Old Testament here, okay? So for the Israel, under the Old Covenant, this journey of joy was focused on God's big promise, okay? God's big promise. You can write over the whole Old Testament promise and you can write over the whole new testament fulfillment of that promise so when you read these psalms you've got to understand it's coming from an old testament perspective so you say chris what was god's promise well i've given it to you and so let's break it down and it's real simple it's god's presence dwelling with god's people in God's place, under God's chosen person, by God's mighty power, for God's special purpose. So let's break that down for the Old Testament. His presence would dwell with His people. And in the Old Testament, the people were the nation of Israel who were believers and any Gentiles that chose to identify with Israel. That was the people. If you were a Gentile, you need a male, you need to be circumcised, you need to become part of the Jewish people. So that was the people of God in the Old Testament. And his place was a very physical, literal place. It was Jerusalem and at the temple. Okay, So that was his place under his chosen person who was the promised Messiah. The only problem is we don't know who... They didn't know who that was. He was coming. So we're coming here in anticipation that one day God's chosen person is going to show up. Amen? 
All right, we don't know who he is. And when he comes, we think he's going to come in one fell swoop. They didn't know there was going to be two comings. They just thought he's going to come, right? So under his chosen people, by his mighty power, they still had the power of the Spirit in the Old Testament. And here was the ultimate purpose, God's glory and the good of all peoples. Israel was to come up to this place and be a witness for God as they worshipped his presence with his people in his place, so that all peoples of the earth would come and find the one true God, right? Remember, the queen of Sheba came to see the glories of God, and the nations were to come. And I wish we had time. I could take you to Genesis, the promise and the covenant with Abraham. I could take you to Exodus, when God revealed himself in the burning bush to Moses. I could take you to the prophets, and it's all the same. The promise is the same. God's presence will dwell with God's people in his place, under his chosen person, the Messiah, the King, by his mighty power, not by, by, by the might of horses, not by the might of man, but by my spirit, says the prophet. And it's all going to be for my glorious purpose, my glory for the good of all peoples. Amen? That's what we're talking about. And that's what they're doing. So, they travel to Jerusalem three times a year as God commands in confident trust, expectant hope that one day He's going to fulfill this promise. And so as they travel to Jerusalem, they sing these songs. They sing these songs on their journey. So as you read these psalms, and I hope you join me in reading these psalms, you need to think in terms. Me and my family, we're on our camel caravan, and we're traveling to Jerusalem in expectation of God's glorious joy. The joy is going to be God's people gathered in God's place, worshiping in the presence of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Listen, if that doesn't get you jazzed up, then you don't understand the gospel. Because that same promise is the promise that now is partially fulfilled in the New Testament. So look at that. So we're reading these Psalms, and you're like, Chris, are we having a, 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 an Israel trip coming up? Is this what we're doing? No. Here's the good news. I always get a kick. Now, first of all, if you want to send me and my wife my family to Israel, I will take that trip in a heartbeat. Okay, you understand that? Yeah, but let me say this. It's funny when they're advertised, walk where Jesus walked. And that's cool. Don't get me wrong. That would be cool. But you know what? I already walk with Jesus. He's in here. Amen? I, I, I don't have to go to a physical place on this planet to get closer to God. I can't get any closer to God than I am right now. That doesn't mean a trip to Jerusalem isn't meaningful, isn't spiritually impacting. It is. Everyone says it is. I get that. But if we don't ever go to Jerusalem... This side of heaven, it's okay. Because you're already as close as you can be as a believer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's good news when we get a diagnosis of cancer. Amen? I don't have to go somewhere. He has come to me. That's a blessing, Robert. That's a blessing. Amen? So let's look at it. So it's the same promise, but here, look at number two. For the church, under the new covenant... The journey to joy is focused on God's partial fulfillment. They focused on a promise. We get a partial fulfillment of His promise in Christ's first coming. The reason it's partial is because He came the first time, but He's going to come again. 
he partially fulfilled the first time, he's going to fully fulfill in his second coming. So let's, let's look at the same promise, but now in light of the church. His presence is dwelling with his people. And praise God, you no longer have to become a Jew to be close to Jesus. Amen? Now it's Jew and Gentile in Christ. That's good news. Amen? You get to retain your ethnicity. You get to retain your culture. You get to retain your language. That's why we're translating the Bible in all these languages. Because now the people of God is Jew and Gentile in Christ. In His place. Now this is where it gets rackled. The place is no longer a physical temple. Where's the temple? The temple, Jesus said, my body is the temple. And when we are in Christ... We as a church are the temple, and guess what? Each of you are a brick in that temple, and you individually are a temple. That's why we don't have to go to Jerusalem. Because when you become a, 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 when you become a believer in Christ, you become a temple of the living God. He dwells in you. That glory that dwelt there now dwells in you, and it dwells in our local church. The temple of God is the local church. And it dwells in every believer, which is the universal temple. Okay? So the temple is now his body and those connected under his chosen person. Guess what? Messiah has a name. And who? what's his name? What? Jesus. Now, now what? Oh, please. Come on. Who is Messiah? Jesus. Yes, he is the Messiah. We know who he is. And because Israel rejected him, they have been set aside. Their hearts have been hardened. Not completely. Paul was a Jew. And we know Jews for Jesus is a ministry. God is still saving a remnant of the Jewish people. But as a nation, they have rejected Jesus as God's chosen Messiah. And it's now by his mighty power. But that Holy Spirit that was active in the Old Testament, that David said after he sinned, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. You never have to pray that as a believer. You have a permanent indwelling of God's spirit in your temple, the body. Isn't that glorious news? So don't ever take David's song and sing it or pray it. Lord, don't take your spirit from me. That's an Old Testament concern that's not a new testament concern for his purpose and here's the beauty the purpose hasn't changed the purpose is still god's glory and the good for all peoples and now instead of being a witness in one place what are we supposed to do go make disciples we're supposed to take the temple to where the people are amen that's the promise that's the partial fulfillment so we are traveling not to this old Jerusalem, unless you send me on a trip. We're traveling to the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, that in the book of Revelation will come down after his second coming. But we're still on a journey, and that journey is every day. It's, it's a journey that you're on if you're on vacation and if you're not on vacation. It's a journey when you're at work and when you're at school. It's a journey in the good times and the valleys, and it's a journey, a journey on the mountaintops. But it's a journey we're on. And so we are pilgrims. We are to go further up and further in. Does that all make sense? I know that's kind of a lot, but it's good theology. Because here's number three. For both Israel and the church 
Our journey to joy is focused on God's final fulfillment. It's focused on God's final fulfillment of all He has promised. So see, whether you're in the Old Testament, which is back here, let's put it back here. Whether you're in the Old Testament, or now you're in the New Testament, the church. So we have the church in the New Testament, you have Israel in the Old Testament. Either way, we're focused on the final fulfillment of this promise. The final fulfillment. Our journey to joy as the church, the body of Christ, is a spiritual journey to the new Jerusalem, but it's one that is now, not yet. We have a partial fulfillment, but someday, and if you take the book of Revelation, the entire book of Revelation is simply showing you the fulfillment of this promise. Think about the book of Revelation. 6 through 18, you have God's wrath coming down on God's enemies. Revelation 19, you got the coming of the king. To, his, to this place, to Jerusalem. In, in Revelation 20, you have a thousand-year kingdom reign, and the capital of that kingdom is Jerusalem in this temple. In Revelation 21, you have God's promise fulfilled, where God's presence comes down from heaven. The new Jerusalem comes down, and literally God's presence is with His people in His place for all of eternity. And in Revelation 22, you have the new creation where there's a new Eden and it covers the whole earth. And the whole joy of it is that God and His Son, the Lamb, are the sun and the glory and the light. Listen, if this isn't what you're hungering for, the next 15 weeks aren't going aren't gonna, to aren't gonna be a highlight for you. But if this promise of fulfillment, if this final fulfillment is what you hunger for, and every true believer should hunger for it, if this is what you hunger for, you're going to get excited because now you've got 15 songs to sing on your way to the final fulfillment. Is that not cool? That's cool stuff. All right. So those are the first two most important turnouts. Now, let's look at turnout number three on our roadmap. We're going to stop at the turnout, the time of these songs. What are the times of these songs? And again, I've got the summary for you at the, at the, there in your notes. Three annual festivals in the life of Israel as a people and any time they wanted to personally worship the Lord. What am I saying? Well, in Deuteronomy 16, 16, it says this, and I believe you have it in your notes. Three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord, your God, in the place which he chooses. God's presence, God's place, God's people. At the feast of, number one, unleavened bread. At the feast of weeks, number two, and the feast of booths. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. In other words, this was a giving back to God for all that He had given to us. And actually, it was during the time of three harvests. So the reason you're not supposed to come empty-handed is God's blessed you living in the land. Now bring back what God has offered, what God has provided for you. So the seasons of these songs... We don't have time to go through the feasts themselves, but I just want you to think in terms of they're singing these songs... 
at least three times a year and then any other time that they just want to praise the Lord. So one time is the spring journey to Jerusalem for the celebration of God's redemption. God's redemption of his people, the feast of the Passover that celebrated that once they were slaves, but now they were sons of God. Once they were under bondage, but now they've been set free. The Passover feast was very much like our Lord's Supper. A reminder that we were once sinners, but we've been set free by God's mighty redemption. Amen? And so in the spring, they would focus on redemption. And it would be a picture of Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then, 50 weeks later, came the summer journey to Jerusalem. So you got three, you know, you got three family vacations here, pre-planned by God. Okay, spring, summer journey to Jerusalem for the celebration of God's revelation to His people. The feast of weeks or Pentecost was a celebration of God giving the law to Moses. It was rejoicing in the fact that God has revealed Himself. He not only set us free in redemption. But he gave us his law, his, his word, his revelation, so that we would know who he was, how to live in his presence, and how to be forgiven when we sin. So the focus was on revelation. And of course, Jesus is that prophet greater than Moses, the living word from God, who actually was God, and the ultimate revelation from God and of God, because he is God. So... It's a picture of Christ. Third, the fall journey. So you get home and then you go, hey, God has another pre-planned vacation for us. The fall journey to Jerusalem for the celebration of God's reconciliation with his people. God's reconciliation. This was the feast of the new year and especially the day of atonement. That time once a year when the sins of the people were covered in hope of the coming Messiah. So the focus was on a lot of rec- a lot of rejoicing. God is our God, we are his people, and he has covered our sins for another year. We can enjoy the presence of God with his people in his place because he has made provision for our sin. See, this is a journey to joy. There's a lot of joy in Jerusalem. It's a journey to joy. That's what this is about. And each step you took was further up and further in. And so the journey to joy was a journey under God's gracious rule. Listen, if God's not sovereign in this process, there is no hope. And so every step we take, God's sovereignty is watching over us. And we're coming to place ourselves under God's rule. Because only under Him... Do we get redemption? Only under Him do we get reconciliation. Only under Him do we understand His revelation. And I won't take the time, but we can literally go from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, and it's a journey to joy. And so if you'll take this reading plan, and you'll read through these Psalms, and there's two ways to do it. But if you read through it, you start with Psalm 120 and he's surrounded by enemies and life stinks. He's under attack, Psalm 120. And then in Psalm 120, 
One, we're reminded that even when we're under attack, God is our keeper and our protector, and He watches our going in and our going out. Good news, amen. Psalm 122, there's homesickness homesickness for Jerusalem. They long to be in God's presence. They, they're living out here surrounded by people in conflict and unbelief, but they long to be in the presence of God and His people. And then in Psalm Uh, 123 echoes the plight of their situation, but it makes clear that their eyes are fixed on God. Look up to the mountains. Where cometh our help? I'm telling you, you're going to be familiar with these Psalms. Psalm 124 says God's been faithful to keep His people in the past. That's good news for us in the present. Psalm 125 assures the people of coming peace to Jerusalem. Final fulfillment will come. Psalm 126 dreams yet again of peace. Man, I'm telling you what, with our culture, we're dreaming of peace more than ever. Amen. Aren't you tired? Aren't you weary of all the conflict? And it's only going to increase. It's only going to increase. Psalm 128 envisions this coming day of peace and blessing. Psalm 127 brings children into the picture, reminding us that a godly legacy on this journey is important. Psalm 129 reminds the reader that Zion's enemies will be put to shame. 130 focuses on hope in God's plentiful redemption. 131 reminds us that there's a son of David coming to rule and to reign. Psalm 132, we're gaining altitude. And as the longest psalm in this section, it stands at the center of the overall message and it focuses on the coming of our King. Psalm 133 talks about the joyful unity. How blessed it is when God's people dwell in unity. And that only comes when the King of Peace, the Prince of Peace, will come. Psalm 134, the final psalm in the Psalm of Ascent. It's like we've climbed further up, further in. Psalm 134, we're here! And we get to rejoice. And Psalm 134 is this tiny, short song of pure, simple praise. Because we've reached our goal. Isn't that cool? That's just awesome stuff. It's a journey. Read these psalms as a journey to joy. And that brings us to the fourth turnout. And we'll move through these quickly. And that's why I just gave them to you. The types of the songs. Did you realize there's different types of psalms? Each psalm is a different type. We're not each psalm. There's different types of each psalm. And so when you read a psalm, or you sing this song, you want to know what type of song it is. I mean, it's, it's just like with music, and I'm way out of my wheelhouse when I talk about music, but the fact is some songs are slow and sad, right? Some are upbeat and fast. And there's sometimes when you don't want to listen to an upbeat song. Can I get a witness? Are you, under, are you with me on that, right? It's, a, it's just too happy. I'm not happy right now. I don't want a happy song. I need some Johnny Cash or something, you know, really depressing. You know, I just need to be, I want someone to sing to sing into my depression. Hey, guess what? That's okay. Because in these Psalms, the number one kind of song in the Psalms is the song of lament. Mourning, grieving. And so what I've done is I've taken all 15 Psalms and there's 10 types of songs. And what is my point? My point is simply this. As you go through this journey, you need different types of songs. Amen? Listen, we don't believe in a prosperity theology where 
come to Jesus and everything's happy and you get a promotion and your kids are all nice and neat and orderly and everything is happy and good all the time. We have a real faith for a real world. Amen? And in a real world, you have songs of lament, you have songs of blessing, you have songs of Zion focused on the future, you have the songs of confident trust. We need wisdom on this journey. There's seasons where we need sing songs of wisdom. Seven, songs of broken forgiveness. Hey, we're going to sin on this journey. God realizes that. He's provided atonement. Amen? It's okay. But make sure you sing a song of brokenness after your sin. This idea of being happy in our sin, that's not true believers. True believers are sad in their sin. And that sadness leads to repentance. Songs of royal kingship. Hey, there's songs of vengeance and cursing. And I'm not talking cussing. I'm talking cursing. There's times where we sing of God's wrath that needs to fall. Okay? So you have all these types. Which leads us to turn out number five. The topics of the songs. What are the topics that we're going to see in these weeks to come? There are songs for every step in life and every stage in life. As you look at every step in life... Look at the topics, these 15 songs. Mark some that you can relate to right now. Pursuing peace, seeking help, valuing community, handling opposition, facing danger, finding security. Man, it sounds like my journey. Does it sound like your journey? Amen? This journey to joy every step of the way. There's a song for every step on the journey. And the songs cover every stage of life. I find this interesting. There's songs of individuals. Some of you are single. Some of you have been married. And some of you are single again. Well, there are songs for each stage of life. There's songs for married life. There's songs for married with children life. There's songs for work life. There's songs for community life. Why? Because we're on a journey. And journey involves all these stages. Amen? And that brings us to turnout number six, the travelers of the songs. It's just good to think, who's on this journey? And these songs tell us individuals who are looking forward to being in God's presence. Families who are seeking to raise a godly legacy. The people of God, Israel and the church, who are doing life together in community. As a witness to the world. And yes, even some of the travelers on this journey are the enemies of God. You're not going to get from here to where God wants you without opposition. So let me give you three principles out of this. As you think about the travelers. The journey to joy is personal, but it's never private. Listen, we travel in community. And the goal is to arrive at community in God's presence. Okay, so this journey isn't... If you're doing this journey alone... You're not doing it the way God wants you to do it, okay? Number two, the journey to joy involves families, but never without the family of families. The people of God gathered in local churches. Listen, this journey is meant to be done as an active, consistent member of a local church, a church like ours. Number three, the journey to joy will be successful, but never without a struggle and opposition. So you got to keep on keeping on to the end. Amen? There's going to be enemies, but we've got a greater God. Good? Good? All right. Final turnout. The triumph. The triumph of the songs through the tension of testing. 
Listen, you're not going to get to your journey of joy. You're not going to get to the end, the new Jerusalem, without the tension of being tested. So here's my reminder. The journey to joy is a present reality. We get that joy now before we get to heaven, but it will never be totally fulfilled this side of the new Jerusalem. So I'm not giving you 15 steps to perfect joy in this life. I'm giving you 15 steps to partial joy awaiting the full joy on the other side of heaven. Amen? In the new creation. So, the key is to persevere. So I leave, I leave you with these three, three truths. Number one, don't lose your joy with Christ on this journey. Don't lose... Listen, it's a journey to joy, so maintain your joy in Christ on this journey. The weeks to come will tell you how to do that. Don't lose your focus on Christ on this journey. The biggest temptation is to forget where we're going. Amen? All right? The biggest temptation, we got to remember, you got to manage your focus. And then number three, and next, next week's, uh, or not, the week after next, we don't meet next week, will help on this focus idea. We'll get four travel tips next week, or two weeks from now. Number three, don't lose your hope in Christ. These songs are full of hope. Why? Because they're headed to the fulfillment of the promise. Amen? Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your focus. Well, does this whet your appetite for the journey? All right. Now, take the reading guide. There's two ways to read. Okay? So, where, someone give me the reading guide. and Let me go over this just real quick. Take this reading guide. One way is to read in the next 50, or in the 15 weeks we'll do this series, Break in, in World Outreach, is to read one psalm five days a week. So you read the same psalm for five days. You say, why would I do that? Because you go deeper, further up, further in, right? So you read one psalm, five days. You'll have read it five days before we study it, which would be a good way to prepare. The other way is to read one psalm a day, and you'll read through it three times in the 15 weeks. So you got two reading plans. Amen? All right, let's go. Let's be on a journey to joy together. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for this roadmap. Thank you for these 15 psalms. They are beautiful. They are wonderful. And they remind us of the hope we have, the coming fulfillment of your promise in Christ Jesus. May we journey this summer with joy and a journey to joy as we climb further up and further in to the goodness of that is your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Invite others to come join you on the journey.